Inspired leadership to me means that when you have been able to overcome all the odds and come out strong, you are able to help others not to live a life of mediocrity, but see themselves truly as leaders. Welcome to Inspiring Leaders, the podcast that shares ideas, perspectives, and best practices from great leaders around the world to help you become a more inspired leader. Welcome back to the Inspiring Leaders Podcast. I'm your host, Terry Lepofsky, and this week we're focusing in on resilience and perseverance for leaders. Like it or not, today's leaders are on stage 24-7. Your staff, your peers, and your stakeholders are always watching you and how you manage and conduct yourself. And as leaders, you're expected to always be in control, overcome challenges, and know how things are going to turn out. But you know, it's just not possible to always know and always be in control. There's a huge amount of uncertainty that comes with the train, and leaders need to have a thick skin to handle this both openly and transparently. Resilience and perseverance are not optional. They're required competencies for today's leaders. To discuss resilience and perseverance with me, I welcome my friend and international man of mystery all the way from Abuja, Nigeria, Collins Osiamwan. Collins, welcome to Inspiring Leaders. Thank you very much, and thank you for having me in this podcast. You know that this podcast is all about inspired leadership. So let me ask you a question. What leader has inspired you and why? One of the greatest leaders of our time that I've inspired me most is Jesus Christ. He came to live amongst men and he died for the same people he created. And he inspired just 12 people who in turn turned around the whole world. And it's recorded that he is the greatest man that has ever lived. And there are some things that I learned from his life. Number one, his perseverance and resilience to his ability to be humbled. Even though he created man, he was willing to die for man. Then the second uh, person that inspired me also is a King David started as a shepherd boy. His parents did not even reckon with him to the extent that when Samuel came to anoint kings in his father's house, he was completely forgotten until Samuel asked if he didn't have any other son, until they remembered that there was one at the backside of the desert taking care of ships. When he came, he eventually was anointed king. But he went through a lot of processes to eventually reign as the king. A lot of bandits, disgruntled people, and it was recorded that he did not only inspire himself, but he inspired those people into mighty men. Kudos to you for looking to those people who have inspired humankind in, uh, in amazing ways throughout history. And I, I like the lessons that you're taking from the, the, the humility and perseverance. I think that that's fabulous. And, you know, if I think back, Collins, you and I have known each other only about a year. You and I worked together last year uh, where we were preparing your keynote address for World Workplace in San Diego. I know a little bit about your background story, so I'm really glad that you're willing to share it with us here today on Inspiring Leaders. 
I hope that you'll take us back a few years and talk about some of the challenges that you tried to face up to as you were trying to change your occupation to something that had never been done in Nigeria, and that's facility management. At that time, facility management was relatively unknown as an occupation in Africa. You were determined to learn about this line of work by attending some conferences in Europe and uh, North America. So what challenges did you run into and and how did you handle that? When I graduated from college, I made a commitment to myself that I'll be world class in uh, a profession that I'm going to pursue. But when I started practicing, I noticed that uh, that was not going to happen because of the way things were being structured in the profession that I was uh, pursuing. So I I decided to uh, look inwards and reinvent myself. I just stumbled upon a profession called facility management. And I really loved what I was reading about it. And I felt it would be good for me to learn more about this profession. So I immediately signed up as a member of an institute in the UK, and uh, they began to send me materials. In the process, uh, an opportunity came for me to go study some more in Europe. But in the course of acquiring, uh, procuring visa, I met a very big obstacle. I applied for the first time. Unfortunately, my visa application was refused because of the way Africa is. You are traveling for the first time. They usually categorize you as an economic migrant and you are just going to use any excuse to get to your country and never come back. That was not my case. Uh, applied again, and my application was refused. The, the excuse they usually give is until your circumstances changes. And uh, from what I was submitting, (laughs) nothing had changed. So on five different occasions, because I really needed to go so badly in Europe to learn more about this course, so I kept coming back. And every time I come back, they usually refuse the application. Five times I applied. I had paid for the tuition fees, which is about $3,000. And unfortunately, after the fifth time, close to when the program was to start, I requested for the refunds of my fees, but unfortunately, I lost $3,000. So you applied five times for a visa so you could go and learn more about this new occupation. And five times they said, no, we don't believe that you want to go and learn. We believe that you're just trying for economic reasons, trying to leave the country. Yes. And you ended up losing all of your registration fees, $3,000 for this. That's, yeah. a, that's a pretty significant setback. Yeah, absolutely. So what did you do about that? Uh, it didn't deter me because I had a vision. I saw something far beyond what I had lost. And I could begin to feel the passion because right in my country, from the leader I studied then, I noticed that facility management could contribute so much to the advancement of the economic uh, progress or prosperity of my country. So I believe that with that knowledge I was to acquire, it would turn a lot of tide and the fortune of my country and the businesses in my country. So I, I did not give up on the dream because I was not allowed to travel. However, I try to look for other alternatives where I can study. So it was painful though, but I was not going to give up. 
And if I remember right, on your sixth try, you got your visa and you were able to go and attend some of these uh, events Possibly. in Europe. Yes. What happened was uh, another opportunity came. And this time around, I applied just once to that country. I was able to get my visa application approved. So for the first time, I was able to travel and meet with some very distinguished men and women that were involved with facility management. And that further reinforced my passion for the profession. I will give you a brief of what was going on in my country then, even though it's still the way it is, but it's no longer the way it was before. Everywhere you turn, the story is the same. You see uh, Nigeria build infrastructure with billions of dollars, but they allow it to rot until uh, it's not usable anymore and in, a new one is built. Take for instance, we have an opportunity to host the Commonwealth game, a new stadium is built and costing a lot of money. And because we don't know how to take care of our infrastructure, we allow it to rot and wait for the next time we're given opportunity, we'll go back and build a fresh stadium complex. And I believe that those are just wasting our scarce resources even though we thought we had so much money. But the reality is dawning on us right now because we don't have enough funds because the, the mainstay of our economy, which is oil, is, is dwindling. Uh, the, the price of oil in the world market is, is no longer as it was before. So we're struggling to keep pace with uh, uh, the, running the economy. So it becomes a problem. So these are the things I saw that gave me reason to continue to pursue this agenda and see how we can turn the fortune of Nigeria around through proper management of our infrastructure, uh, creating uh, recognition for the facility management profession in Nigeria. So I did not see anything as an obstacle. Rather, I, see, I saw them as springboard to take me to my next level because I believe that there was something that was bigger than me that was propelling me to do more, to see how I can achieve that, and which I eventually did. When I got to Europe for the first time, I saw some of the things that was in my heart confirmed because I, I met with passionate people who were very interested in uh, sharing their knowledge and expertise with me. And on that same event, that is where I got connected to, I, I met with two passionate women from the International Facility Management Association, and they invited me to attend the next World Workplace Conference. For the first time again, I was in America, and I met with people that loved what they did and uh, passionate about what they do. I was so excited. This is the light. And uh, a new vision, a new passion was born in me as I, I, as I interacted with them. My whole essence, my whole being was electrified. It sounds like you met a bunch of people who had the same passion that you did. Absolutely, yeah. And, and it's on everything around for me. We are still lifelong friends, and they continue to add value to my life. It was not easy for you to be traveling across the Atlantic all the time to attend these things and to learn and, and further your own career. And at times it became so difficult that, that you found yourself sleeping in airports. Absolutely. Tell me a little bit yeah. about this. Absolutely. Yeah, that's another very interesting aspect. You see, when I took on this responsibility to begin to look at how to improve the facility management uh, industry in Nigeria. I was not a millionaire at that time. <laughs> I was just barely able to keep my family together. 
sometimes I will just have enough to register for the event and attend the, the seminar or conference, as the case may be. And sometimes I will have to check out of the hotel and go to the airport, not because I had a flight to catch, but because I have run out of cash, I ran out of funds. And sometimes I will sleep um, a day, two days, waiting for my, until my flight time. And those were really memorable days, uh, having to sleep in the airports. And uh, sometimes just eat once a day because sometimes we try to get uh, to hotels that offer uh, free uh, breakfast. Right. And eat enough to keep you going uh, for the rest of the day till the next day. So we had to make those sacrifices. Those were enough to keep us out of our dream. But because of the goal, we, the, the picture we have painted, that kept us going. I didn't want to give up. And because I was more or less a student at that point, my wife, who is ever faithful, became the sole provider for the entire family. She took on the responsibility of taking care of the entire family. She would uh, release her resources for me to travel, um, pay the children's school fees and all of those things. And she stood by me. And that was why I was able to have the courage to continue with this quest. One of the things that really strikes me about your story is that you saw the state of the infrastructure in Nigeria and you saw that people were not maintaining them and you knew that there was a better way. I think to you, when you saw opportunity and you learned about how to manage them, this became a passion for you. And that passion and that vision of what could be is what really propelled you and kept you going through what anybody would consider to be some pretty challenging times. Having to spend a couple of extra days in the airports to sleep in chairs, I don't think anybody is going to tell you that that would be a fun exercise. I think everybody would agree that that's challenging. You have to persevere and you have to be resilient to overcome those kinds of things. But it didn't end there because you actually joined the board of directors for the International Facility Management Association. Absolutely, yeah. That was why I said initially that looking back today, I would say that all of these uh, sacrifices, I would call it, truly paid off. My passion helped me to not only create a chapter in Nigeria, I also went on to Ghana to set up the Accra chapter of Ghana, working with other passionate people. They began to notice the passion that I had for facility management as the leadership of IFMA. And in 2013, I was appointed as a member of the board of directors, which in my opinion, it was a great fit for me. I, I at least expected that I would one day become a member of the board. And I was also appointed as the ambassador for the foundation for Africa. So I believe that um, all of these have translated into giving back to the same organization that has helped me find my feet in this great profession. I and, keep wondering, uh, Collins, when, when your book is going to come out, because I'll be the first guy to buy it. I am really honestly and sincerely inspired by this story of yours coming from an area that didn't have any sort of discipline like this, but the more you learned about it, the more you were inspired and the more that you were became passionate about this. 
and you chased it down against all odds and you were able to become the person who could propel not only your country but neighboring countries as well. And then when you rose to the top, you actually paid it forward to others and became uh, got this mentorship program started. Your accomplishments in this arena are incredible, and it has to do with you creating this vision for what you wanted to accomplish, the passion that you had in behind it, the perseverance that you had, and your resilience to overcome the challenges that you faced. Yeah, thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. I also believe that we've not even started yet. My goal is to be able to institutionalize the practice of facility management in Nigeria, where facility management becomes a household name in the country. Today, people talk about facility management, even though they don't have a complete understanding, but now it becomes part of the lexicon of an average Nigerian. So things are changing very fast. And also, we've been able to work with the National Assembly to create a bill which is in the process of being passed uh, into law for a council for facility management uh, profession. I believe that uh, the country needs to recognize facility management as a profession. And once that is in place, we can now begin to speak with a loud voice and implement some of the things that we believe we further enhance governance and enable businesses in Nigeria as well. So uh, as I speak, uh, the bill has passed the second reading in the uh, National Assembly and uh, very soon we'll be celebrating the law backing facility management up as a profession. The government, uh, the business owners, they, they now have a place for facility management, like some organizations, they create departments of facility management, which was, it was non-existent before, but things are changing, like I said. Listen, I have two more questions for you, if you're good with that, Collins. The first one has to do with the challenges that you see. What challenges do you see facing many leaders there today? I would say one of the biggest challenges that... Um, leaders face in Nigeria is access to resources. We have a lot of problems assessing funding for dreams to be actualized. Um, when you go to banks to improve on your, what you have in mind to establish, they'll tell you to bring a interest rates and provide collaterals that you, you, you may not be able to assess for the rest of your life. And even when they give it to you, the cost of financing is above the roof. So you are unable to even um, survive with the level of uh, interest rates that is expected of you to, to pay back. But one thing that we know Nigerians for is that we are very resilient. We, we're resilient in, in the face of opposition. We don't give up so easily. And um, there's a popular musician, I don't know if you know Fela, Fela no. said, um, suffering and smiling. Okay, last question for you. What does inspired leadership mean to you, Collins? Inspired leadership to me means that when you have been able to overcome all the odds and come out strong, you are able to help others get inspired maybe by your story or by just observing you that will make them truly become successful in their field of career. Helping people not to live a life of mediocrity, 
but see themselves truly as leaders and working in spite of all odds to come up strong and be the best that God has created them to be. Brilliant answer, my friend. Listen, if people want to connect with you, Collins, how can they find you? I have my office here in Nigeria, and uh, you can reach me on my email, collins.o at sheltercarefmconsult.com. Or you can follow us on uh, Twitter and um, uh, on Facebook as well, uh, sheltercare at sheltercarefmconsult.com. I'll put that in the uh, show notes as well, Collins. Much appreciated. And thank you so much for being part of the Inspiring Leaders podcast today and for sharing that incredible story of yours. It always just blows me away to hear what it is that you've overcome and uh, the way that you've come out shining. And uh, I think that you're an inspiration for all of us. So again, thank you so much for being here and for sharing that with us. Thank you so very much. It's always an honor to be asked to share my story. And you've always been a very wonderful friend. We deeply appreciate your help and helping us to get our stories out there for people to be inspired. Thank you very much. Thanks again for being part of our quest to make inspired leadership ubiquitous. Wherever you are, we hope that we've helped to inspire you and that you'll pay it forward by inspiring others. Take care, everybody. Bye for now.